is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 425, recorded on Tuesday, March the 19th, 2019. Well, hi, Chris. How are you? (laughs) I'm okay, Jason. How are you doing? Good. How was your day? Uh, You know, it was all right, but um, I'm I'm a little bit tired. My throat hurts, and I'm a little congested, I think, so Mm. I feel like I may be getting a cold. Oh, well, that sucks. It does. It does suck. My, my... Beware the Ides of March. It's got to be the Ides of March by now, right? I guess, yeah. And it's given me a cold. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll be fine, I think, and I hope. But it's one of those things where I woke up in the middle of the night last night and didn't feel very good and then sat there for like two hours not knowing what to do and not being able to sleep until I did finally fall asleep again. But by then it was almost time to get up for the day anyways. So right. it's really screwed my... my uh, my day up. Same thing happened to me. Woke up. Don't know why I wasn't sick, but just couldn't fall asleep for a couple of hours, which never happens to me. I'm usually a good sleeper. You're very lucky in that regard. I am not such a good sleeper, at least in the recent, I don't know, couple of years. I I feel like it's gone downhill. So I need to do something about that, but not right now, because instead of going to bed, I'm going to stay up and record a podcast with you. There you go. Now you're thinking. I mean, that'll help, right? Yeah, make you nice and tired. Maybe go run around the block a little bit after. <laughs> sure, what could possibly go wrong? I'd probably slip on some ice and die. There you go. No, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> oh, right, that's bad. Okay, <laughs> that's gotcha. bad. <laughs> well, enough of that. Let's get into what we are here to do today, and that is to recap Season 9, Episode 14 of The Walking Dead. After this, there's only two more, which is crazy to me. It feels like it's gone by so fast, but... Yeah, after this one and the next one, we've only got one left. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's just incredible how this season is flying by. But we got to do episode 14 first, and here's what it was called. The title of this week's episode of The Walking Dead, when pronounced in New Zealand English, has a silent R. The title of the episode is Scars. Since Rick left the group six years ago, there's a bunch of things that we still want to know. Why did Maggie leave and will the truth be shown? And what went down with Grumpy Michonne? We want to know what's happened to our stars. So... Let's tune into Scars. Thank you kindly from Anwen in New Zealand and Alex in London for those title reads. Okay, so those are my two favorite title reads ever. And that's my new favorite song, even though it's mostly another song. Well, it is an incredible song. It's a great little ditty, I would say. Ditty? Yeah, that ends with the title of this episode, which is Scars. Great job, you guys. Thank you so much for sending those in. Wonderful stuff. Scars. No R. No R. No R. Exactly. No R. R's are redundant. Yeah, their R is unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start, Jason. We begin this episode in a flashback. So, Angela Kang, 
said at one point that, you know what, there's going to be flashbacks in the second half of this season. And I think yeah. this episode has most of them, if not all. <laughs> right. <laughs> we start, Michonne is on horseback. We are back at the time, immediately following the last time she saw Rick. And she's back at the riverside. She kills a couple of zombies and she finds Rick's python buried in the mud. So she she may not have even left the scene yet, but probably she did because Rick's body isn't there and he right. was taken away in a helicopter, as we know. We do. And we know he doesn't have his python. That's so right. So this is how she found it. There you go. Now, we jump forward a little bit, but not to the present. And we know because Michonne's in the same location, but she is now visibly pregnant. Quite pregnant. Right. So we actually. have a flash forward in the flashback. So we have a not so much flashback. Exactly. What do you call that? It's, it's, a, it's a flash less back. It's flash less back. Okay, got it. All right. Um, she's standing there. Daryl approaches and he says that he's followed the river all the way to the ocean and back and hasn't found anything. So they've been out there looking for clues, trying to figure out what happened to Rick, maybe try to find his body or just figure out what the hell happened and where he is. Um, but no luck, of course. Yeah. Um, Michonne invites Daryl back to Alexandria but he says he'll only come back when he finds something and that he's never going to stop looking. So this is what he does now. And she asks if he's okay being alone out here. He kind of nods and then he asks her the same thing. And she says, I'm not alone while she holds her pregnant belly. Yep. Cause she isn't. So now finally we get into the present well, wait, time. Sorry. Double meaning there. When he says, uh, she says, do you like being alone? He says, yeah. She says, I'm not. Are you happy being alone? Uh, and she says, I'm not, which actually means two different things. She's not happy being alone and she's not actually alone. So it, to me, it meant uh, she has, she has the baby, Rick Jr., but she still misses Rick. And both meanings are equally valid. And uh, it was a nice touch. Yeah, of course. That's a good pickup on your part. I didn't really think of it like that, but it absolutely does. It means both. It means both yep. things. Okay, so in the present time, Michonne is now sitting in her house. She's cleaning the python, the gun, and she puts it in a box that Judith has painted with her name across the top of it. I guess that's where they keep it. Aaron comes and tells her that Daryl is at the gate. Uh, so we, you know, we figured this was going to happen. We knew Daryl was on his way here with everybody. And uh, on their way to the gate, Michonne sees Judith and RJ and another kid who I think is Gracie playing with a bicycle, kind of riding yeah. around on it. Mm -hmm. Very cool little bike. They get to the gate. Of course, it's Daryl, Henry, Connie, and Lydia. And, you know, Daryl says, we're, we're here. Henry's hurt. You were closest, you know, had to do it. Uh, Michonne, of course, doesn't trust Lydia, but her and Aaron agree that they do trust Daryl so that they open the gate to let them in so that they can help. Did you notice that there's another gate outside of the gate that they were opening? I did. They have double gates now. They do. So it's like a second wall and they had, looks like they had fortifications between the two gates as well. Like not fortifications, but uh, things they could deploy in order to stop a zombie herd. Yeah. Like it's spiky things like uh, Morgan made in Clicker. Yeah, and I think we've seen those before, have we not? Here, those, I think so. Like we've seen, well, you know what? We've seen gates with spikes on them, or, or was that in the other show? <laughs> I forget now <laughs> if that was in fear, but we've seen different kind of gates. 
Um, I do like this sort of gate airlock system, right? Where you have to yeah. let through one and then let through the other, and it, it, it adds to the safety of it all. It does. The airlocks, man traps, it's all good stuff. It's very good. Now, as they slide the gate open, though, we flash back to a time in the past when Scott, you can remember him, haven't seen him too much lately, but he's returned to Alexandria with some strangers and some children. There's a large group of children with one adult who Michonne recognizes from her past who's called Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really, really nice gate opening transition from present to past. It was. And we immediately saw in the background that they were building the second fortification, set of fortifications for that, that second gate. God, the attention to detail is just sometimes mind numbing. Yeah. So, And as soon as I saw Jocelyn, first of all, uh, I knew she was going to die, but I figured she'd become a zombie. And the reason I knew she was going to die was because she, it was braids, but it kind of looked like dreadlocks. And you can't have two people <laughs> in the same community with dreadlocks. We know that. Well, yes. we don't know that, but we're pretty sure now. Uh, and the second reason, uh, the reason I thought she was going to become a zombie is because she became a vampire in True Blood. That's right. So I figured she's trying to run that, uh, the whole gambit, right? Uh, become a vampire, become a zombie. Uh, what's next? Become a werewolf. And then Spider-Man, get bit by a spider and become Spider-Man. Is that the next logical conclusion after that? I don't see why not. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, once you do all of that. Uh, then it's like uh, winning all the awards, the, the Tony, the Oscar, the Grammy, and what's the other one? Emmy. Emmy, yeah. So uh, what's that called when you win all of those? It's the EGOT. EGOT, yeah. It's like winning an EGOT, but for mythological creatures that you get turned into when you get bitten. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, she might be going for that. And friend of the show, Adam in Texas, noticed exactly the same thing. He said, holy crap, it's Tara from True Blood. That is all. <laughs> Yeah. I like uh, Terror from True Blood. Me too. I really enjoyed the first three or four seasons of that show. I watched every season of True Blood right up until the end. And uh, I know people were dissatisfied with the ending or maybe even the final season. But, you know, it did have naked Eric Northman. So it has that going for it. That's, that's true. I, I lost. Uh, I did really enjoy that show. I kind of fell off. I never finished it. Oh. I should go back. I you have should. them all. I just haven't gotten around to... Going, you know what? I should really pick up that second last season and the last season. Yeah, you might as well. I mean, what do you have to lose, really? But that's Rutina Wesley, the name of the actress who was on True Blood and now is on The Walking Dead, at least for this episode. For a while. Yeah. So we go to the opening credits, and when we come back, we are in the present. Henry's being stitched up. Uh, Michonne is outside the house talking to Daryl. And he says that they have to, you know, go back to let Carol know what's been going on. And then Connie, through writing some notes on her pad, makes a bit of a funny joke about, you know, this wasn't the plan, but I would do it all again, except maybe with better shoes. Yeah. Get some good shoes. It's Su important. Super important in the zombie apocalypse when you're essentially living outdoors and you need your feet to be protected, dry, and... Yeah, just... change your socks, put on foot powder, take care of your feet, get some good shoes. Very important stuff. Connie thanks Michonne for letting them in. Um, Aaron approaches, tells, uh, Michonne that Daryl wasn't followed because of course he's very good at, uh, covering his tracks, but he's worried about the whisperers nonetheless, as, well, yeah. as he should be, right? We go to a flashback and it's Jocelyn trying to 
sort of coming out of the infirmary, sort of not in very good shape, not in very good mental state, it seems like. She's trying to leave because she says there are, are more of her people out there. Um, but as I said, she's injured and she can't go anywhere. So Michonne kind of calms her down and Jocelyn basically asks for some help. And then later, presumably a short time later, I guess. So another sort of flash less back. <laughs> well, yeah, we've had some forward time, but this is not really a change in time. No, that's right. True. It's just, it's more of a, we're going to gloss over the traveling from point A to point B. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. we're a little bit, you know, a little bit later. We have Michonne, Aaron, Father Gabe, Rosita, Eugene, and a couple of Jocelyn's people. Um, blonde haired little girl named Winnie and a guy named Mitchell, I believe is his name. Anyways, they are out and they're in some kind of building looking for more of Jocelyn's people. They come to some locked doors that they can't get through. So Winnie climbs up and goes through a vent in the ceiling. Yeah. That's uh, the way in. Quite a, quite a move, uh, as Eugene points out. And she winds up on the other side of the door, which she opens and they go in to find several other kids hiding in there. Didn't the Predator do that in the Predators movie, the second uh, the second Predator movie, where they uh, it went through the vent vent system and got around locked doors? Well, if if it did, I mean that's I, I'm not sure, but it certainly wouldn't be the only time that's happened in a movie. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, if the Predator did it, it's not a good sign. No, maybe not, but you know. Villains, heroes, they all do it at one time or another. I mean... John McClane. That's right. Bruce Willis hangs out and I assume he just hangs out in air vents in his real life, <laughs> you know? I, yeah. And because uh, people regularly make air vents uh, that are people-sized. Of course, of people course they fit. do. And they're yeah. perfectly clean. No, not a speck of dust ever in them, right? Well, yeah, it's because they always answer the phone call when the air duct cleaning people call and they go, yeah, please, come on. <laughs> we need our air ducts cleaned again. It's, you know, it's been two weeks. You were only here two weeks ago. Get back in there. <laughs> I need clean vents, my friend. Oh, yeah. So when he opens the door, they find those other kids. We go to the present. We've got Henry and Lydia being guarded by Laura, who seems to be very good at the guard job. She gets that job a lot, it feels like. But she just, yeah. She's, I don't know if she's guarding, guarding. She's just kind of like, I'm standing right here, so don't you pull any funny stuff. No, I, I think earlier, though, Michonne asked her to keep an eye on them. So Yeah, but she was already doing that. I thought that was kind of rude. It's like, can you keep an eye on her? It's like, duh, idiot. I'm standing right here looking at her. I'm keeping an eye on her. Jesus. I, I got this, you know? I got this. I'm doing <laughs> it already. Fuck. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's what she's, she's still doing, and- uh, Lydia says that she likes Henry's big scar and it reminds her of what he did for her. She's, she's into that kind of thing. Michonne comes to speak to Lydia. So Henry leaves, but as he passes, he thanks Michonne for letting people go to the fair, yeah. which he feels is important, right? As, as do we all, I think. I think it's important too, that everyone show up at the fair. Yeah. I mean, I was playing with Jasper earlier today and he has this play mat with a bunch of uh, roads on it. And uh, he asked where Chug should go. Uh, Chug's one of his cars from the uh, Plains movie. And I said he should go to the fair mm. because there was a Ferris wheel and a merry-go-round and all kinds of good stuff. So everybody should go to the fair. And uh, Jasper ha happily took Chug to the fair. Let's all go to the fair. Get right. ourselves some trade. I don't know. Get, get ourselves to watch a movie. 
and watch a movie, right? Yeah. It all falls into place. Yeah. So Michonne and Lydia have a conversation about doing things to protect Alexandria. And Michonne says that if she could take all the danger and all the risk that everyone faces and put it on herself and just walk away with it, she would. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You should just leave. Exactly. She's basically saying to Lydia, you encompass all of the danger and all of the risk to all my people right now. And I think you could probably just put it all or take it all and walk away and we'd be better off. So why don't yeah. you do that? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just fuck off, will you? Right. But of course that's not going to happen. Instead, we go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we've got Daryl and Judith sitting on some like makeshift water wheels they've got built into the pond in the middle of Alexandria. And they're talking about getting, um, you know, they talk about Henry getting Lydia and Judith commends Daryl for helping and says she wants to help too. But he says that keeping them safe is very, very important. Um, and she agrees that keeping everybody safe is important, not just people in Alexandria. You know, we have a whole bunch of people here that we need to help. And she also tells him that she's heard all of the stories about the sanctuary and so on and wonders what her dad would do, you know, in some of those situations or in this situation right now that they're in. Yeah. Uh, Trisha in Massachusetts writes, holy crap, did you notice when Daryl is talking to Judith, you can see that the tread is totally gone from his hiking boots. Great attention to detail. Yeah, they're, uh, I'm looking at it right now. I didn't notice that before, but holy shit. Daryl needs some new boots. Yeah. Once again, attention to detail. He needs new boots. I mean, if he was walking along any sort of wet surface, I feel like he'd just slip right off and fall down. Yep. Right on That's his true. ass. <laughs> Speaking of attention to detail, those water wheels. Yeah. They were made from dresser drawers. No kidding. Really? They Yeah. From what I could tell, they were like drawers from a, from a dresser of some kind. I thought that was really cool. That's fun. I didn't notice that myself. I didn't understand why... They had these water wheels. Like, what are they doing with them? Like, how do they get the, like, they need the power to pump the water up to move the water wheel. Uh, why are they moving the water wheel? Generate power? To, to generate power to move the water wheel, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, know. this is the problem I'm having is I didn't understand the purpose. Well, here's the thing. It's not moving water, right? So it doesn't right. really make a lot of sense to have water wheels in it. But I don't know. Maybe it is moving water. Is it part of a, a river rather than a lake? It looks like it's a pond, but they have water pumping through the pipes in order to, to fall into these drawers to spin these water wheels. I don't understand the purpose of that. Is it to make a pleasing sound? Like there's I, running water and it, it didn't Daryl blow up something in this pond once with a rocket? He did. He, he lit it on fire, remember? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. You're right. That's there's, probably cleaned up by now. There's no point in those water wheels, really, because it's not flowing water, but it does look kind of cool. I'll give them well, that. I'd, I'd build one. I mean, they build them in, in Japanese gardens, right? Where they have, uh, right. you know, a water feature that just makes noise in order to make the entire garden and pond more pleasant to just be around. Feel alive and be, and pleasant to be around. You're right. So maybe that's all it is. Yeah, it's just a water feature. All right. Well, into a flashback we go. Uh, we have, we're in Alexandria, but we have all the kids, Jocelyn's and younger Judith, who we see again. They're having a campfire. 
people are, you know, carving up some animals that they've acquired on a hunt and they play that trying to stay quiet game, which doesn't last very long because they're kids. And then inside Michonne wishes out loud to Aaron that Rick could see all of this. She clearly misses him a, a lot. Um, she ends up talking to Jocelyn. Michonne says she's impressed with all the kids because they can hunt and so on. And Jocelyn says that none of the adults made it, but the kids can do anything. That's what she's yeah. kind of trained them up to do. Um, they talk about Michonne going back out to look for her man, as she says. Um, and, you know, Jocelyn says that you just can't give up looking because, uh, you, you know, you won't be able to live with yourself if you do. And we find out that it's been about 15 years since they last saw each other. Um, and if they could find each other, then like anything is possible basically. So halfway across the country, right. Maybe Rick is still out there. And if, if I showed up here, then, you know, you never know what might happen. Yeah. It just, it made me think of the phrase, a good man is hard to find, which led me to a good man is hard to locate. And then, which led me to a good man is hard to track down. Which all kind of mean the same thing. It, I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> but in a slightly different way. Sure. Know, the the, uh, the, the, uh, the connotation is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> I don't know if anyone uses those uh, those second two, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I get it. They kind of mean the same thing. They do. It's like uh, smell, aroma, and stink. All mean the same thing. It's just, it's how something is perceived nasally. Right? Sure. But they all have different connotations. Stink is very different than aroma. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. There's so. there's a chain of cafes in Toronto. I don't know if they're anywhere else called Aroma Cafes. And I think if they were called Stink Cafes, it would have a different vibe. They, they might. Yeah. They have a different clientele anyway. It's certainly a different clientele. I mean, I'd still go there, but you know. Uh, yeah, they're good. You like, you like going to the Aroma Cafes? Are they coffee Aroma Cafes or are they like... Uh, they sell different smells or like like uh, incense. No, and it's it's coffee and sandwiches and stuff like that. I, I used to work by one, so I went to one then, but I I no longer work in that in that place, so I haven't been to one in quite a while. Oh, oh there you go. Anyways, we go to the present time. Daryl, Henry, Connie, and Lydia are leaving the kingdom, so they're good to go, I guess. They say goodbye to Michonne uh, while Judith watches, kind of from a distance. And Daryl says that Michonne should tell Judith the truth, but she's not so sure. Um, as they leave, Judith walks away and Michonne looks down at a manhole cover that is bolted shut. Yep. Wonder what that could mean. That could mean that uh, it's the same as the, as the vents. Like if, it, if a human can fit through it, lock that shit down. Yeah. A hu if a human can fit through it, a human is going to fit through it. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, Chekhov's human uh, orifice. Human orifice? No. Human hole. Escape hole? Yeah. Escape hole. Yeah. If, if you if you show a human-sized hole in the first act, you have to fit a human in it. <laughs> And the third act. <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what, uh, <laughs> perfect. Um, flashback time again, and Michonne walks past the same manhole cover, but it's not bolted shut. <laughs> oh my. My. They go, her and a group of other people from Alexandria go to pick up their kids from a sleepover. And they find that they are all missing along with Jocelyn. Scott, 
he goes to check the pantry garage, pantry slash garage. It's being raided. Uh, We find out the infirmary has been raided. Somebody's been killed. And Michonne notices a nearby manhole cover that's displaced. And so Jocelyn has taken all the kids and hit the road with them, taking them, taking them away, kidnapped them as it were. Uh, yeah. But if you're going to sneak out through a manhole cover, put the, make, you know, take a couple of seconds to put the cover back. Well, sure. Fair make enough. Make it a mystery. But then how would, yeah, how would they know they've disappeared then? Well, all the kids are gone. Jocelyn's <laughs> gone. And all the, the, the pantry and the, uh, the infirmary stuff is all gone. I think it's There's pretty obvious. Clues. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, we go to commercial and when we come back, we are in the present time. Michonne, Judith, and RJ are having dinner, but Judith doesn't really want to eat, so she goes to her room. And the next morning, Michonne gets up uh, and, you know, we see her scars on her back as she's standing up, just in case we forgot they were there. She goes to Judith's room to talk to her and finds her missing. Uh, in fact, her bed is made, so she never even slept in it at all. Oh yeah, I mean, she might be the kind of person that makes their bed before they do anything. Before they run away? You, well, you get up, you make your bed, and then you go out and do your day. You don't I, make your bed? I am not a bed maker. No. All that's, right. that's a secret that I've never uh, told on the podcast. I do not make beds. <laughs> I, just... I, I move stuff around so it looks sort of made, but no, I'm not a, much of a bed maker either. I, I just get back into it later that night and, you know, don't worry about it. My wife, on the other hand, bed maker. So, oh, well, that's a you know that's what marriage is all about. That's right. Somebody, somebody's got to be the bed maker. <laughs> exactly. There has to be one. Yeah. Michonne goes to see Negan, asks if Judith has been there, and you know she hasn't, but she ends up asking what him and Judith talk about, and he says that he's been telling her all the stories about their past, including what he did to Glenn and Abraham. All those yeah, because that's ago. what you tell a 12-year-old girl. Well, he he says, you know, he's straight with her and she doesn't take any shit because she'd see through the BS. So he just tells her how it is, right? And he, yep. he equates or he likens that to Michonne saying, this this is your daughter. She's like you. You don't take any BS either. Um, so why try to feed it to her? Uh, you know, it just wouldn't work anyways. Yep. Now... He, you know, he says she likes talking to him because of that. Um, and she also, Negan also mentions that Judith thinks Michonne should be letting people into Alexandria. We already kind of know that. I think Michonne already sort of knows that. Uh, but Negan is saying it out loud here. And Michonne ends up running home, going upstairs and opening the Python box and not finding the python, but instead finding a note from Judith that says, Mom, I'm sorry, but I need to go. Our friends need help. Why hide the note? Why not leave it on the bed? Um, I mean, I guess she knows that she's going to look in that box for the gun. And so she How finds she it in there. That? Well, she finds her missing. I mean, first thing she's going to do is look for whether or not she took her weapon with her. Might indicate yeah. where she's gone. Well, I just, I wonder why put the note in there. Why make the note harder to find than just leaving it, like leaning up against your pillow saying, you know, I took off. I brought the gun with me. Yeah. Instead of hiding the note inside the gun box, 
It's like uh, it's, it's like I'm, I'm me writing a note to my wife saying I've gone out to buy bread, milk, and uh, some cheese, and then and then taking the note with me. Well, it's not quite that bad because she'd never find it then. But it would be like you know tucking it under the couch because you know that's where I look for my keys. Sometime if I let Jasper play with them and he hides them, right? And I I look under the couch couch cushions because mm-hmm. that's where my keys are. So she knows that. So that's where she would look for the note if my keys were missing. I mean, what I noticed about the scene wasn't so much that, but it was more that after Michonne reads it and realizes what's going on, she crumples up the note into a ball in her fist instead of sort of putting it back into the box. She's a crumpler. Some people are crumplers. Well, I think she also just might be so distressed with, you know, what's going on. She just can't help herself but make a fist, right? Yeah. It's the same with toilet paper. Some people are folders. Some people are waters. Uh-huh. I guess so. so. I don't want to talk anymore about that. <laughs> Neither do I, frankly. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Um, we go to flashback, of course. Michonne and Daryl are out looking for the missing kids in the past. Uh, if you're having trouble following along, don't forget there's... The flashback where Jocelyn has stolen all the kids and taken off, and the present where now Judith has gone out on her own to uh, try to help her friends. Right, which is, you know, why uh, she's remembering all of these past things. Right, exactly. They're kind of parallel. Exactly. Judith is missing. In, in both timelines, Judith is missing. Yeah. Uh, Michonne and Daryl are out looking for them. Michonne is uh, pregnant, of course, and they and clearly tired in this scene from walking. So they decide to take a break and Daryl reassures her that they'll find them. And then they talk about how Jocelyn used to be a real friend. Uh, Michonne ended up letting her guard down when she showed up, but she feels like she should have sensed something was wrong. But Daryl says, no, this isn't on you. It's on Jocelyn. She's evil and she'll pay for what she did. Right. So they keep going. They come to an abandoned school Incidentally, Jason, this is the same filming location as where the termites ate Bob's leg. You know, I thought it looked familiar. Yeah, it's the same same place. They just did it up a little different, I guess. Nice. Uh, as they're walking around the school, Michonne spots PJ, who is one of the kids. PJ runs away. Michonne follows into the Wait, building. But PJ obviously has, uh, you know, this struck home to me that this is obviously a different world than the one that you and I are living living in. Because if you have someone, how old is this kid? Eight? Didn't look, yeah, maybe looked around eight, yeah. Eight or nine? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hand a, an eight or nine-year-old a kitchen knife and say, run. Well. You know, you, you just don't run with knives. Like, how, how dumb is that? So that's obviously, it means it's obviously a different world that they're living in than you and I are living. Because all that I was thinking was, geez, that's dangerous. Well, different world, yes, but also zombie apocalypse. And don't forget, we know that these kids are trained like hunters. Yeah, children of the corn. Killers, children of the corn type deal. Yeah. So I think running with a knife is probably a little more acceptable in this situation or at least expected than in sort of, you know, regular everyday day-to-day life. Yeah. So uh, PJ runs away. Michonne follows. Into the building they go. Daryl is close behind. And Michonne ends up facing the whole group in kind of a narrow hallway. They all have their weapons drawn. 
And then Daryl sneaks up behind with his crossbow drawn, but one of the kids fires an arrow and hits him in the shoulder, so he goes down. And then Michonne is knocked out uh, by another one of the kids. Yep. So not not a good situation, I would say, for them right here. They got uh, they got captured pretty easily. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of I don't want to hurt the kids, right? Right. It's right. not. A, it's you know, if they were all adults, Michelle would have taken their heads off, and Daryl would have shot like fourteen crossbow bolts in four seconds into you know seventeen people. Because he can do that with 14 crossbow bolts. It's the kind of thing he can do. Yeah, it's one of his powers. Uh, Commercial break. And when we return, we have Michonne and Daryl tied up, uh, gagged, and basically hanging from a pipe. (laughs) So they're they're not in in good shape. Linus, who is the kid who, I think, who knocked out Michonne before the commercial, he comes up with a hot cross branding stick and burns that thing into Daryl's back. Yeah. Did you understand the reasoning behind that? I must admit, I didn't really. Like, I know it's sort of a torture thing going on here, but I'm not sure why, what the point of the actual branding was. Yeah. It made me wonder. Uh, like, uh, I can only think of two things that potentially this was the, the reason for this. Uh, and they both have to do with Star Wars. Uh, the first one was, uh, you remember that scene where uh, our, uh, C-3PO walks into that den of uh, robot torture and they're they're burning the feet of that one uh, yep. droid? Yep. Uh, like, what's the point of that? Like, why were they doing that? Why, w- why would you torture the feet of a droid? Well, I don't I, know. I don't know, but I, I also don't feel like we had quite enough context in that scene to know what was going on there. So there could have been a reason. On The Walking Dead... We do have context. We know sort of what the kids are all about. We know yeah. what Michonne and Daryl are doing there. Um, you know, you can understand why they've got them captured and tied up, but why brand them? Right. I, I'm not sure. And the second thing is uh, when they tortured uh, Han Solo uh, before they put him into carbonite. Uh, you remember they tortured him and uh, they, then they let him go a little bit and he said they didn't even ask me any questions. Right, The right. whole purpose was to uh, put his pain and suffering into the ether so that Luke would pick it up using his force sense of his friends and come and uh, try and save them. Right. So, no, either they're torturing robots here for no apparent reason or they're trying to get somebody psychically to connect to come and save them so that they could capture them and put them in carbonite and take them safely to the emperor. Yeah, they could be doing that. Could it just be that it's um, like they're psychic or psychic, psychotic and they want to hurt these people um, or, or just that it's an intimidation thing, right? I don't know. Well, Jocelyn was just sitting there, right? She's obviously trying to get these kids to behave evilly psychotically like you say so maybe they're she's just using this as a training exercise on don't treat other people like human beings treat them like cattle and brand those bastards yeah i think that's a good take on it actually jocelyn does start talking and she goes on about how you have to be strong in order to survive yada yada we've heard that mantra before on all the walking dead shows right yeah um but yeah, it. I think it could just just be a, a a teaching moment for these kids. It's like just further turning them into little evil bastards. 
Well, they are in a school. Right. So if you're, if you're going to learn to brand people, why not do it in a school in a learning environment? Yeah. Right. I don't <laughs> know. Right. Uh, and they're, they're expected to write, you know, a prospectus after this on, uh, you know, give them, give her 500 words yeah. on uh, what the reason or what the, their thoughts are on branding people they've captured pregnant ladies. Right. Write a, write an essay on it later on. Yeah. Uh, you will be tested on this children. So get your branding correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michonne, of course, just wants to know where Judith is and what she's saying, uh, is what she's saying. And then Winnie, the little blonde haired girl uses the same poker to brand Michonne on the back. And Michonne just screams right in Jocelyn's face as yep. she's doing this. Um, and Elliot in Amsterdam, North Holland writes, my holy crap is the way a pregnant Michonne is staring into the eyes of Jocelyn while screaming in pain and anger. Denai Guerrero's acting was so good. I could feel her skin burning as I screamed at the TV. Jocelyn, you're in danger, girl. Yep. <laughs> so you do not want to piss Michonne off like that. Um, in the present, we have Michonne now riding out to find Judith and she passes the bike that we saw the kids playing with earlier. So we know she's on the right track. She I want to get a bike with a banana seat. I've, it's been a long time since I've ridden a bike with a banana seat and well, like ape hanger handlebars. Well, I'm glad you have, because that is a childhood experience that everyone needs, I think. Good. Well, she passes this bike. She's on the right track. She comes to a group of walkers. Uh, she kills one and yells for Judith. We jump back into the past and Daryl has escaped and is smothering somebody. So, Jason, I think they might have yada yada over the escape here. Uh, I thought so, too. I, I went back and I'm like, well, had that happened? And so I reversed a little bit and I watched it again. It's like. Yeah, they didn't show that at all. So, yeah, they totally yada yada over uh, Daryl's escape. Yeah, the, the only thing I have here on this question is that when they first hung them up off that pipe with their hands tied, you know, they've got their hands tied up above them over the pipe, not down behind their backs. Yeah. And we... The camera does focus on Daryl's finger twitching around a little bit by the pipe as if he was doing something yeah it, uh casting a spell it well cutting the rope i don't know somehow but his finger knives it, it yeah that's what i mean like i have no idea what really was going on because that that one shot wasn't enough to indicate to me that he was cutting it or escaping somehow so i really don't know what's going on here other than oh i guess they escaped and Killed a guy. Well, maybe not killed him because then Daryl says he's tying him up, but it, it, it felt a little, it felt like there was a scene missing. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know where, what, what the deal is with that, but in any case, they're free. Uh, he cuts Michonne down and they decide to split up and search the building. Michonne is sneaking down a hall and she comes face to face with Jocelyn and a few of the kids. And also in this moment, Jocelyn remarks, oh my gosh, they both got out. Like, <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a goofy line because <laughs> clearly they got out. You don't have to tell us that. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you do. Don't sound so surprised either. You know, um, Michonne demands again to know where Judith is. 
and then sees the kids being ushered out a door at the far end of the hall. Uh, Linus and another one of the kids attack her, but Michonne fends them off, saying she doesn't want to have to hurt anybody. Um, but Linus gets a good swipe with a knife right across Michonne's pregnant belly. Yep. Pretty- Time for a C-section, maybe. Oh, God. Pretty pretty brutal. Like, I, I don't imagine anybody sort of enjoyed watching that, because that is just really horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but it gets worse. I'm... You know, happy to say. (laughs) Uh, The kids run off, but the door is locked, so Michonne looks for another exit. And as she runs outside, Jocelyn just clobbers her multiple times with a two-by-four or some piece of wood. Yeah, Uncle Wood. It's, again, brutal. I mean, just hammering poor Michonne with this piece of wood while, you know, she's pregnant. I mean, hammering anyone is pretty bad, but I'd say with a pregnant lady, it's even worse. Um, she goes, that's a bad friend. Did you get that impression? I was definitely a bad friend. Yeah. Yeah. Turned into a bad friend anyways. Yep. Um, just clobbers her. And then Michonne goes down, but she has her katana at this point. She manages to grab it and stab Jocelyn in the leg. And then when she falls, right through the chest. Right, but not the head. No, not the head, but at this moment, Jocelyn is dead. Yes. Well, I figure she's, well, this is why uh, I figured, uh, at this point, I figure she comes back as a zombie so that she can get that uh, EGOT type thing. Like, mm-hmm. We'll see her as a zombie later, maybe? Maybe. For now, though, she's just dead. Yeah. Now, I did love in this scene when Michonne reaches for the katana, you, the camera kind of is with the sword. And as she picks it up, the camera follows the sword up and right sort of into Jocelyn's leg. I thought it was a really, really creative shot. Yeah. Really well done. Um, Anna in Wales writes, Holy crap. When that kid slashed Michonne's pregnant belly and her friend whacked her repeatedly on the back, I would have gone full Carol on them too. You do not harm a pregnant lady's belly. Yeah. Of course not. Everyone knows that except these crazy people. Now, the rest of Jocelyn's kids stand around with their weapons ready. Michonne offers that they can come back to Alexandria, but of course they attack her. And meanwhile, Winnie goes into a nearby RV to kill Michonne's children. She's been instructed to do that. Yep. This is so getting intense. We've got some, uh, some time constraints here. Yes, we do. And what we end up with is the the episode cutting back and forth between the present time where Michonne is in that field killing zombies with her sword and in the past where Michonne is defending herself against all of Jocelyn's children who are attacking her. Winnie, as I said, has run into the RV with the intention of killing Judith and Michonne is, is begging her not to do it and being forced to fight her way through these kids yep. to try and get to her own child. Um, Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, Holy crap, did you see what has to be one of the most traumatic moments we've ever seen any of our heroes go through? My heart was breaking as Michonne begged the children not to attack her so she wouldn't be forced to hurt them. Yeah, and she was. She was. She was. Uh, Daryl comes out of the building to, you know, behind her and he finds this scene of mass carnage. 
Winnie is now standing in the doorway of the RV, and of course Michonne begs her not to do it, and she doesn't. She lowers her weapon and runs away. And then Michonne calls to Judith, and she emerges alive from the RV along with the other kids. Yeah, so Winnie's off in the wind. Yeah, Winnie is the only one who got away, I guess, that we know of. Um, I wonder, you know, will we ever see her again? I don't know. She's probably a whisperer. She's probably a whisperer, yeah, probably. Here's a call from Jim. My holy crap moment is seeing Michonne trying to take the top prize from Carol with kid killing. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Uh, Yeah, so we've seen children die on this show before. We've seen children be killed on this show before. But I got to say, not like this. No, not as uh, a wholesale slaughter. I mean, uh, Michonne was defending herself. Carol was not. Uh, you, you're right. Um, Carol was, she wasn't even trying to save someone else. Uh, no, she was trying to, she was trying to put down a kid who she decided was, you know, unrecoverable, you know, unworthy, unworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michonne was defending herself and defending her own children, but still this was hard. Yes. And this was, you know, a massacre. And it was child murder to, you know, in numbers that we've never seen before all at once. That's yeah. for sure. So so was Jocelyn going from community to community, stealing kids and then training them to be her minion, minions? Well, I wondered that myself. Like, did when she showed up at Alexandria, did she know Michonne was there already? I don't think that was clear. Or was it truly just a coincidence? Uh, it seemed like a coincidence. I didn't think otherwise until this very moment when you mentioned it. Hmm. Because my initial thought was somehow Jocelyn knew Michonne was there and used that previous relationship against her. Um, just because she knew that Michonne would trust her, you know, I don't know, but. Does Jocelyn have some kind of like massive grudge against Michonne? Well, we do get a little bit about their backstory in this episode. When, they, when they're in the kitchen that time talking, I think that's when they, they also talk about um, when they were in school together and how Michonne was some sort of activist, you know, doing a, a petition for something. And I mean, they really seemed like they had a really good, strong friendship when they were when they were younger all those years ago. And, and Michonne even says that, I think, talking to Daryl as well. So I think they were solid. They were really solid back yeah. then and they just hadn't seen each other until now and it turns out Jocelyn has turned into a crazy lunatic. Yeah. I mean I've had we've all had friends that would, you know, that stabbed you in the back, but not this literally. Uh yeah, not this and just not this extreme. So some people have and that's sad, but not me. No, you and I are lucky that way. Yeah, I haven't had to kill any of my friends. Well, yeah, that's really really good. That's good. <laughs> Happy for you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So where are we? We, oh, the other thing I thought here, this was such an amazing, I think this is a directing thing, I guess, but this is such an amazing way to have things happening in the two time frames, yeah, and depict what's going on without actually really showing it. Yeah. Cause they can't really show her lopping the side of a head off of a child. So they show her swinging at the child and then lopping the side of the head off a zombie in the present timeline. So that editing and cutting away from one, uh, 
one flashback to present uh, was a very effective way of showing us what's going on and still maintaining uh, some kind of decorum as far as censorship goes on uh, slaughtering children. Absolutely. I think it was, it was really well done. Um, and very, just a very creative way to depict this. Right. And yeah. that's, that's the directing. That's the editing. It's, it's just everything conceptually about this scene. I thought, um, was horrifying, but done in such a way that you, you understand the horror without having to see it directly. Yes. Right. So well done, everybody involved in that. Um, in the present though, Michonne, uh, continues killing a few zombies. Turns out Judith is there. Judith takes a couple down herself, but then almost gets grabbed by one, but Michonne saves her uh, by killing that zombie. So everybody lives. Yay! <laughs> Except for Jocelyn's children. Uh, Michael in Missouri writes, Holy crap, guys, Judith is badass. I like watching her more than I ever liked watching Carl. She is doing such a great job. Her maturity may be a bit much sometimes for someone her age, but I'm really enjoying the character. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I think that uh, actress is doing a great job. As Judith, we take a commercial break, and when we come back, we've got Michonne telling, in the present, telling Judith about Jocelyn and her kids, so she's telling her that story. Turns out Judith says she remembers, but she says Michonne didn't look like herself uh, because of all the blood when she uh, came out of that RV. And she also says that Jocelyn and the kids were all nice to them, so she trusted her at first, but understands that they were bad, which is why Michonne did what she did. And uh, so, you know, Judith kind of understands what happened in that scene, and Michonne is a bit surprised to hear this. Yeah, and I'm a little surprised that Michonne took some advice from Negan. Well, that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah, that's what Negan said to do. Be straight with her, tell her the truth. And after all this, I guess, um, I guess Michonne has decided that is the right advice. Yep. Uh, Judith also reminds her that their friends need their help. And she says that you keep the ones you love safe. But Judith says she feels like they no longer love Daryl, Carol, Maggie, or the King. And, um, that's bad because we love them. Also, if we've learned anything from Star Wars, you can't just fight against something you hate. You fight for something you love. We did learn that in Star Wars. That's right. <laughs> and this girl played young Ray in Star Wars, right? There, there you go. So it's all coming together. Everything's coming up Star Wars. Some episodes are like Star Wars. Other episodes are like Star Wars. That's right. And some are a little less like Star Wars and some a little more. That's right. We have a really quick flashback again. Michonne is returning to Alexandria with Judith and the kids. Everybody greets them at the gate. Uh, I thought that was a really nice scene. And jump forward into the present, and we have Michonne and Judith at Carl's grave. And she's talking about never having to bury another child and how she, you know, because of all that stuff, decided that Alexandria... Um, is she'd only protect the people at Alexandria, even though that's not really what Rick and Carl wanted, but it was what was going to keep Judith and RJ safe, just focusing right. on Alexandria. And then she admits that it was wrong and that they do in fact have to protect all the people they love, whether you're at Alexandria or not. Yes. Um, we 
cut over as well they walk away and then we cut to Michonne and Judith riding a horse-drawn half of minivan or something. <laughs> yeah, a horse-drawn horse horse-drawn car. Yeah, that's right. It's the Vehicle front end of, of a car. Kind. Yeah, I I like that. It was pretty good being pulled by horses. They are on their way to the kingdom and they meet up with Daryl, Connie, Henry and Lydia in the woods. So they all get in and they head off on their way to the kingdom. And road trip. Yeah, road trip. That's where they're going to go. They're on the way to the fair. As they enter the kingdom gates, we focus on a couple of whisperers in the woods nearby who see them go through the gates. And one of them says to the other, we must tell Alpha. And episode over. Oh, we've got the whispers. Finding out more shit. Yeah, finding out stuff. Gonna tell Alpha. They've got a plan. They know what to do with it. Um, but that's it. So a couple more holy craps here. Sean on the internet. These are two opposing holy craps, I think. Sean You're gonna on- fight it out? Well, we'll see. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, that was confusing. The time jump needed some something extra to differentiate the past and present. The episode was okay. It gives us closure to the source of a scar, a story I really didn't care about, and that seemingly has zero effect on the rest of the larger plot. But, meh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then the other one is Dawn in Wisconsin. Dawn writes, holy crap, what a great but disturbing episode. I have to wonder whether the depiction of a pregnant woman slicing up kids will negatively affect the ratings. Ratings dropped off after the Glenn, Abraham, Lucille episodes. Maybe the ratings now reflect only diehard fans and there will be no impact. If not, I can understand why casual viewers might be turned off by this week's violence against children. Well, we did have a little girl uh, go through a vent, uh, an air vent. So I do think that this episode would appeal to diehard fans. <laughs> nice. I did not see that coming, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I like this episode overall. I liked finding out what uh, the scars meant. Uh, I liked finding out why the uh, the gates of Alexandria were closed to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that this was a... I mean, it was a... I needed back. Uh, I needed episode to tell the backstory of something they introduced earlier in the season. It's not like they introduced, you know, three years ago, and we're finally getting the information. They're like, "We're no, we're here. I'm going to tease you on a story we're going to tell mm-hmm. in about 14 minutes." But it was nice getting this uh, all wrapped up and understanding a little bit of what happened to Alexandria and why it isolated itself. Yeah, absolutely. My question about that though is. Um, it certainly explains Michonne's mental state and, uh, the reason for her doing things, but did it do enough to explain the actual rift between the communities and between Maggie? Like they seem to be very unfriendly with each other. So to me, or, or let me ask you, was the simple act of Alexandria kind of cutting off communications and deciding only uh, sorry, Michonne, cutting off communications and deciding to only protect Alexandria. Was that enough to for you to feel like, okay, well, that's why there's so much tension between these people right now? It was, and I'll tell you why. I'll show my work. All right. Uh, it Jocelyn was one of Michonne's 
oldest friends mm-hmm. that she or it's an old friend of hers that she knew rather well and was betrayed by an old close friend. So Michonne wanting to protect Alexandria from uh, the outside world is intermixed with being betrayed by a friend. And these other communities are also friends. Yeah. So she uh, is obviously doing this for emotional reasons and not for logical ones necessarily. Uh, so that emotional aspect being betrayed by that old friend probably contributed to the fact that she cut off friends because she doesn't feel like she can trust them anymore. She's got to protect her family, even from her friends. Right. Right, right, right. Which all changes at the end when she realizes that everyone's her family, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, if you're, uh, at what point do you, uh, do you close off, uh, family, right? I pretty much have to go with the whole human race. If you go back far enough, uh, <laughs> you know, we're all pretty much the same person in same family. So, uh, <laughs> okay. There, there is no us and or them as far as the human race goes. Right. Um, Speaking of that, did you notice the book that Negan was reading? I believe it was called We. And do you remember that book? It's a it's a Russian sort of dystopian sci-fi novel. Uh, I, I rarely read Russian. Well, I, you know, I did read it many, many years ago. You read Cyrillic? <laughs> I mean, written, written by a Russian author. Come on, it's been translated. I read it in English. Oh, I see. I, I understand. Yeah. Um um, what was I going to say? I think I read it back, might've been in high school. So a long time ago. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting and it didn't occur to me at the time other until just now when you said, you know, it's all about people and being together and we not, you know, them and you. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can draw a line between we and them as far as the undead go, right? Sure. Yeah. Because, I think so. You know, are they human? Sort of, but not really. But not really. Yeah, they were. Um, so, okay. So I, I, I can get on board with that, that, you know, the, the fact that Michonne was betrayed so hard by her friend that she cut off all communication and caused such a strain on the relationship between the communities that it, uh, it led to the, the tension that we saw. Well, look at it this way. If it was just a group of people that showed up, mm-hmm. right, the same story could have played out. Uh, except, you know, without Michonne being betrayed by a friend. So why have it be a friend, an old friend, rather than just a group of people showing up with some crazy children and the corn kids? Uh, Because we needed that uh, to explain part of the story. We need that dynamic, absolutely. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. Well, I mean, other than that, it was... It was an incredibly dark episode when you you consider the, the fact that all those kids were murdered... And, yeah, we uh, got uh, you know brainwashing of kids. Yeah, uh, by uh, I forgot her name. I just said her Jocelyn. Uh, so we got brainwashing of kids, which is pretty dark. We got kidnapping of kids, which is pretty dark. We've got the wholesale slaughter of kids, which is pretty dark. We've got uh, you know cutting a pregnant lady's belly, uh, branding people for no apparent reason, and uh, yeah, overall pretty dark movie, uh, television show. Yeah, intense. Do you think this is sort of the the darkest the show has ever gone? Oh God, no, no. The darkest was uh, killing Glenn and Abraham, and then the immediate aftermath of that. I mean, that was pretty dark too. But that 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 shit made me feel like physically ill. 
Like oh. I felt uncomfortable and ill and it was compelling, but yet disturbing. This was, yeah, they're killing kids. And I'm, this is weird for me to say because I'm usually very protective. I can't watch the shows that put kids in danger. Right. Right. I have a hard time with that. I did not, for some reason, maybe they're too old. When Jasper gets to be this age, maybe it'll bother me. But uh, this didn't bother me like that. Interesting. For some reason. I don't know why. Well, maybe it comes down to what we talked about, about how they depicted it on screen with her killing the zombies, you know, in one time frame and and not really showing us the... uh, the, the murdering of the kids in the in the past. So we definitely saw the murder of Glenn and Abraham. We certainly we saw, saw that. Yeah. So they, they, so this was dark in subject matter, but it wasn't as uh, disturbingly violent as that episode with the with Lucille. Yeah. But I, I'm all I'm saying is I still felt the weight of it, and the, I watched it three times, and the more I watched it. I think even the more I felt it, like when you don't know that's coming and then it hits you, at least the way I experience things, it's kind of like, whoa, that was, that was crazy. But then when it has time to sink in and I watch it again and then the third time and I know it's coming and I know what I'm about to see and I I just sort of understand what it means for the characters, I, I think I almost felt it more on subsequent viewings, which maybe it's just me, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I only watched it once. I only had time to watch it once, so I didn't catch that. But I did, you know, I go blow by blow as we do the recap, and uh, it didn't bother me that time either. All right. Well, good. <laughs> but uh, how good is Denai Guerrero, eh? This is, oh, uh, yeah. she was she was so fantastic. I don't feel like she's had an opportunity to shine like this on the show in, in a long time. It's been a while, that's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown was on AMC's Talking Dead show, and she basically said, give her the Emmy now. And I kind of agree. <laughs> That'd be great. I think it would be fantastic. And I definitely think she deserves it for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Uh, okay. That's going to wrap up our recap of The Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 14. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll be back later on this week with our feedback episodes. So we do want to hear from you. I, I'm especially curious to hear from everybody, you know, about this episode here. We've got some feedback already, which I've been browsing through, getting ready for the feedback show on Thursday. Uh, but by all means, send in your thoughts and comments about this episode because it is, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's a big one, and I think it had a big effect on some people. So get that in, and we will take a look at it all and go through it on uh, Thursday night. Cool. To do that, of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top uh, or just use your phone, record it in some sort of voice memo app you have and email that file to us. That is a great way to do it as well. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. I will coordinate all that feedback and responses, and we will do as much of it as we can on Thursday night. So, all right. Um, other than that, Jason, I think that's going to wrap up the evening. I'm going cool. to try and get this thing out and then go get some sleep and hopefully sure. hopefully not get more sick. Hopefully wake up tomorrow less sick. You're going to wake up awesome tomorrow. I, I can feel it. I like the, I like your positive attitude. Yeah. Good. All right. 
Until then, everyone, thank you. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Thank you.